Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. How's it going? My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here. For everyone joining online, thanks for joining us today. And uh, we are continuing our series called The Questions We Ask Jesus. We've been through questions Jesus asked us, and last week, Pastor Andy asked the, answered the question, how do I inherit eternal life? If you missed it, go back and see it. It was fire. And he shared the story of the rich young ruler. And this morning, I'm going to share an encounter that the crowd had with Jesus in John chapter 6. So grab out your Bibles, get ready. We'll be in John chapter 6. Our question today is, Jesus, can you give us a sign? Point to your neighbor, say, give me a sign. Uh, point to your neighbor. That's weird. Anyways, don't do that. I'm going to walk us through a chunk of John chapter 6 because I want to establish some context of what's going on here before we reach today's question. It's an interesting question, and we'll see that the crowd was actually a little bit misled as they came to ask this question of Jesus. You've probably heard the saying, seeing is believing, right? Well, in our culture today, that's a generally accepted point of view, and as we'll see from our journey today in John chapter 6, we're actually going to find out that through the lens and the context of faith, seeing is not always believing. And if you're taking your notes today, the title of my message is that, seeing is not always believing. Seeing is not always believing. So if you don't have your Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. Maybe open up your favorite Bible app on your phone. John chapter 6. Here we see that Jesus is in full-time ministry He's traveling from place to place with his disciples. The Bible actually says that a great crowd, in one version says a huge crowd is following him. Verse six, or verse one in chapter six. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples The Jewish Passover festival was near. Verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test them, for he'd already in mind what he was going to do. Okay, so here's the scene. Jesus is with his disciples on the mountainside. A great crowd is following him everywhere he's going. And Jesus looks up and he sees this crowd approaching and asks his disciples, how are we going to feed everyone? Here's Philip's response. It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Kind of sounds like our times now, doesn't it? Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Well, the story continues on, and it tells us that there were about 5,000 people there. Jesus took these five loaves and the two fish, and he blessed them, and eventually he fed everyone. I encourage you, check out the story on your own in in John chapter 6. Here we see a true miracle of multiplication. So let's continue, verse 14. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. This is important. The crowd, 5,000 people. 
They've been following Jesus and seeing him perform these signs and miracles. This crowd is like the modern day paparazzi following like a famous actor or something, right? Jesus, he's been healing the sick and they've been watching his every move, everything he does. They actually start to call him the prophet who has come into the world, the Messiah, the one who would deliver them from the hands of their oppressors. And when Jesus hears what they're saying, what they're planning, he does something that maybe you and I wouldn't do. He withdraws. He heads out onto the mountain by himself to pray. Maybe we'd be wise once in a while to withdraw, hey? Verse 16, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. Here the scene shifts and the disciples are ready to move to the next place. The disciples get in their boat and they leave and they're rowing in the dark and they're caught in a rough storm. As we learned from Pastor Andy a few weeks ago, on the Sea of Galilee, when the the wind kicks up in the evenings and causes these big storms, and the disciples are caught in one now, they've been rowing for a long time now. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks out to them on the water. It's like they've seen a ghost or something in verse 20. But Jesus says to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to notice here that Jesus says, it is I. This is basically him saying, I am. He is claiming that he is God, that he has control over the water and the wind and the waves. This was a big deal, my friends. And verse 22, it continues, the next day, the crowd had stayed on the opposite side of the shore of the lake and realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but they had gone away alone. So next day, the crowd sees that the disciples' boat is gone. I find it interesting here that the crowd knows that Jesus didn't leave with them. The crowd knows that something's up. The Bible says that the crowd then finds some boats that come into the shore that day, and they head over to the other side of the shore in search, looking for Jesus. From this half of the story, I want you to see that the crowd is so intent on following Jesus, they were following him because they saw him heal people. And just the day before this, they all witnessed a multiplication miracle. And then in verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, how did you get here? It's a good question. Jesus didn't leave with the disciples. Now, the disciples would have known how he got there by walking on the water, but the crowd literally missed out on this miracle as well. But notice, Jesus doesn't answer them right away. Instead, he he addresses their wrong motives. Verse 26, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Here Jesus is saying, you followed me because I fed you, but not because you understood the miraculous signs that I've shown you. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And here's our question for today, verse 30. You can underline it in your text. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, 
He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. If, if this is all you hear today, this is important. I am the bread of life, Jesus is saying. I appreciate your patience as we work through those verses, but I believe that there's something powerful for us here today. God desires to speak to you. So I'm praying that he'll open up your heart and the eyes of your spirit to see what he's saying. The crowd, the insatiable crowd, after all that they had seen and experienced, they ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? If I was Jesus, I'm not Jesus, thankfully, you know what I'd be thinking? Are you kidding me? You want another sign? Are you crazy? They were following Jesus because they saw the signs. And then they turn around and say, you know, if we're going to believe you that you're the son of man, you'll have to show us another sign. If we're going to believe you, show us again. Like, what else do you have, Jesus? What do you have up your sleeve? And then adding insult to injury, they add this. You fed, you fed us bread yesterday, Jesus, but Moses... He fed the people manna from heaven. Hear Jesus' correction in verse 32. Jesus says, no, Moses didn't provide the bread. God did. And today God is providing you a new kind of bread, true bread from heaven that gives life to what? The whole world. If you recall from the Old Testament, Manna was only a temporary solution to feed the Israelites as they walked through the wilderness. And here Jesus is saying that God is gearing up to do a new thing. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus was referring to himself here. The crowd was completely blind to the spiritual aspect of what was happening around them. They saw the signs, but they missed out on the direction that Jesus was taking them. And I wonder if sometimes we're not so different from the crowd in John chapter 6. We may have been following Jesus around for many years, watching him perform signs and wonders and miracles, but when it comes to a need in our lives, it's easy to say, Jesus, show me a sign that you're who you say you are. It's easy to lean on what we see and what we know instead of leaning on the one who sees and the one who knows. And as Christians... We believe in Jesus, not in the signs that he performs. Can I say that one more time? We believe in Jesus, not in merely signs that he would perform. This idea has actually caused a shift in my own life. God is God, whether I get my specific prayer or my miracle granted or not. Don't get me wrong. Jesus was patient with the crowds, more patient than I would ever be. And he's patient with us as we have trouble believing. But you know what he did? He urged the crowd to not seek just a temporary solution to their problems. He pointed them towards eternal fulfillment. 
They were looking for here and now miracles. Jesus is concerned with meeting the spiritual need that we have for a savior. He was warning them. You gotta shift your perspective to a heavenly perspective. Seeing is not always believing. Seeing Jesus in action is one thing, but believing in him is a totally different thing. So I wanna spend the remainder of our time together unpacking three truths for you. As we look at this passage, my prayer for you is that you would leave here encouraged, that you would be ready to live out your faith in Jesus Christ because he is with you as you do it. Are you ready? The first truth is that Jesus is always ahead of us. He's always ahead of us. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? You know what I see in this verse? The crowd didn't really care about how Jesus got to the other side of the shore. They just wanted to be in the know. They wanted to be on the inside track, what Jesus was doing. And the thing that made Jesus so interesting to follow was the very same thing that the crowd didn't understand, that Jesus wasn't just a man. He was divine. He was fully God and fully man. It's what we believe, my friends. Look at what it says in Colossians 1, 15 to 17. And this is one of my favorite passages in the whole New Testament. Colossians 1, 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And this is the clincher, verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Maybe you need to remind yourself that today. All things in him hold together. Jesus is before all things. Just like how he fed the crowds that day or saved the disciples out in the water, Jesus is also ahead of you. He knows what's coming. Everything that you see was created by him and for him, and he has the authority over it all. Faith trusts that he has our best interests in mind. Do you know what happens when we realize that Jesus is ahead of us? That he's in perfect control of the universe and everything that we see? It grants us supernatural peace. It releases any unnecessary pressure that we have on ourselves to perform. And it opens the door for us to lean fully on him because he's able. Don't just see Jesus' signs and wonders and miracles. See that Jesus goes ahead of you. Like the crowd, you might not know how he got to where he is, but you can know that he has a better understanding of where you're going and how you're going to get there with him. See, this is the truth that we have to remember. Jesus is always ahead of us. He's before it all. And in him, all things hold together. So that's the first one. The second truth I want to share with you that I see in this passage is that Jesus wants your faith, not your works. He wants your faith, not your works. Verse 28. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, 
to believe in the one he has sent. For the crowd, it wasn't just a given that they would believe Jesus as God. In those times, to hear someone calling themselves the Son of Man and alluding to themselves as the I Am would not only have been controversial, it could have been seen as heretical. Nobody should claim or be able to claim that they are equal to God the Father. So instead of asking Jesus why he calls himself this or alludes to that, they sidestep it all together and key in on the other thing that Jesus said, that they should work for food that doesn't spoil. They couldn't actually see through eyes of faith. To them, Jesus was just a nice teacher, a rabbi. But essentially here they're asking him, what do I have to do to get into heaven? This is a pretty familiar question, isn't it? I've asked it myself. If God would just give me a list of things to do, you know? Like, I, can, I know I could do it on my own. And I've been caught up in this way of thinking before. If I can just do good or if I can just stay away from sin, I can just do better the next time. I know I can please God. And here Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Jesus is saying, believe in me. The Christian life should not be focused merely on fulfilling religious obligations. It has to be focused on believing in Jesus Christ. What's better, having faith in ourselves, in our own ability to save ourselves from sin, or having faith in the one who died to pay for every sin, once and for all, no strings attached. See, Jesus here explains what faith is. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent would you believe in Jesus, the one that God has sent? Take a look at these verses. They encourage me. I hope they encourage you. Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 9. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. No, no. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Thank you, Jesus, for this free gift. Romans 3, 28 for we maintain that a person is justified, that means being made right before God, by faith apart from works of the law. It's not by anything we could do. It's by our belief in Jesus. And Romans 5.8, one of my other favorite verses in the whole Bible. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Come on, somebody. This is the good news, right? Do you want to have a restored relationship with God? All you have to do is believe in Jesus. Do you want to renew your faith in Jesus? All you have to do is call out to Jesus. Do you want to be transformed from the inside out? All you have to do is invite Jesus in. See, Jesus is interested in your belief, in your faith, not in the works of your hands or something you could do. Is there something that you need to invite Jesus into right now in your own life? All you have to do is pray. Simply say these words, Jesus, would you be with me right now? This situation feels scary, but I choose to believe that you're here in it with me. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, lead me. 
You know, maybe you have an important business deal coming up, or you don't know how you'll approach a tough situation at work, or maybe you're unsure of what school you're going to choose in the fall, or how you're going to mend a growing rift that you find with your spouse in your marriage. Would you let Jesus lead you? Would you exercise your faith in these situations? But what does true faith even look like in these situations? It's believing that Jesus not only sees us, but he knows us. That Jesus is actually more capable of dealing with these things than we are on our own. And that he's not afraid of the future or what's to come. Faith is believing that Jesus loves us deeply and that despite our earthly troubles, he has eternal blessings for us. Knowing that Jesus wants your faith and not your works is ultimately so freeing. There's no amount of good that we could do to earn his love or his affection or even his forgiveness for our, the things that we've done wrong. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, still caught in our sin, Christ died for us. You see, the crowd wanted to find out how they could earn their way into heaven. They didn't see that or desire a relationship with the one who could bring them there. And Jesus says, I want your belief. I want your faith, not your works. So that's the second truth. And finally, the third truth that I find from this passage, and it's a Sunday school answer, my friends, so forgive me in advance. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Let's go back to verse 30. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do, Jesus? And I don't know about you, but I think there's actually a question underneath this question. They aren't merely asking him to show another sign. They're questioning his authority. And I spend a lot of time wondering why the crowd would just ask for another sign. And you know what I see here in the text? The crowd is just so empty. They don't have a shred of belief in Jesus at this point. They were stuck in the pattern of seeing before believing, but God's order is different. He says to us, if you believe, then you will see. Faith comes first. The truth is, is that no number of signs or wonders would have convinced this crowd. The answer was right in front of them. They just couldn't see it. Jesus was the sign that they were looking for. And maybe in your life today, you're looking for a sign. I want you to know the answer is right here. Jesus is the sign that you're looking for. He's right with you in it. Would you reach out to him today? Have you ever been to a place called Wild Play? Anyone here? It's kind of this like company that has what they call like these outdoor adventure courses. I don't love the outdoors, but I've been. Essentially, you put on these like heavy-duty 97-point harnesses that keep you safe, and you strap yourself into this zip line with two really powerful clips, okay? And then they take you through this course that starts at ground level, and you kind of start going higher and higher with these clips. It's like a frog in hot water, you know? And but all of a sudden, like I found myself, I was like 30 feet off the ground and I just took a second to look down. I'm like, that was a mistake, don't do that again. <laughs> and at the end, there's this giant net. You look out, the, the course kind of ends and there's just a net in front of you, giant. And you know what they're thinking that you should do there, right? 
they want you to jump out into that net. And, and, uh, or they, for the ones who aren't that brave, you can kind of walk the long way, they call it, you know, and take the other way down. Now, I'm not fond of heights, but, you know, being strapped into this, like, double-hooked harness gave me this boldness that I normally wouldn't have. So I just took a deep breath. And I summoned up all the courage that I've ever had in this moment. And everything went as planned. Okay, I jumped off. And I grabbed that net like it was the last cheeseburger on earth. Like, I just hugged into that thing. Thank you, Net, for being there. You know, I thank the Net at the end. I want you to think about it this way, though. Just like that harness and that zip line kept me safe, I find that when I, when I know that Jesus has my back and that I'm secure in him, it's a lot easier to face the world and take those jumps of faith. I don't need so many signs and wonders if I'm able to just walk with Jesus. And I don't know what you're going through in your life. I, I know that we could all use a sign sometimes, right? And I'm not saying today that God doesn't give signs. He's God, he can do whatever he wants. What I am saying is that whether or not you get the sign that you're looking for, knowing that Jesus is with you, whether you feel it or not, is so powerful. We may not like the situation we're in, but I can promise you that him with us is enough. We may not know why things happen to us, but we do know the who that is with us in it. The creator of the universe, the one who fashioned every part of our inmost being is with us and he will never leave or forsake us. So forgive me again for this Sunday school answer, but it's true. Jesus is the answer. He is the sign that you're looking for. And I wanna conclude by reading John 6 verses 35 to 36. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. There's the I am again. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Friends, that's a promise for you today. Be filled by the bread of life, not something else, not some cheap imitation. But verse 36 is important too. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. My friends, do not be like the crowd. Don't see Jesus and not give him a second look. Don't see Jesus and not believe today because we know that he's here with us right now and he is with you in every season, every situation that you find yourself in today and forevermore, if you want him with you, he's there. He'll never leave you or forsake you. So let's pray today. Lord Jesus, I thank you that even right now you're here, Holy Spirit, you're here. You're searching the hearts of everyone here. And Jesus, I pray for the person who's sitting in these pews or watching online that feels like they need a sign today. They feel like they need that extra ounce of knowledge of you. I pray today, Jesus, that you would reveal to them your love and your kindness. 
Would you show them that you're right there with them, even though they may not feel it or see it? Help us to see with the eyes of faith today, Jesus. Help us to see an eternal perspective. And Lord, I pray that you would bring healing and deliverance to those who need it today. Jesus, we don't need another sign. We need more of you. We need more of your presence among us. So we, we receive that today, Jesus. Would you come? Would you bring us comfort and peace? God, would you bring us wholeness that we need? We look to you and we surrender these things to you today, God, the things that are going on in our lives. We look to you, Jesus, and we trust you. Would you be glorified in us? God, would you show yourself powerful among us? We thank you so much that you care, that you love us, and that you're with us through it all. In your name we pray, amen. Let's sing.